Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the day. I thank you so much for the many blessings you've given to us and for your love and kindness and generosity. And I thank you for this opportunity that we have together together with people that are of like mind and faith and people that uh, are here today to worship you. And Father, I pray that now as we are gathering together and we are looking at your word, Father, you, you would give us the grace that is needed to understand it a little bit better and help us, Lord, to just to be mindful that you're in our midst, that you're an unseen guest here today, that you're watching, that this matters to you, and that it should matter to us. So, Father, help us to, to listen, to respond in such a way that would bring you honor and glory. Help us to be honest with ourselves today, Lord. Honest with you. Lord, I recognize that I have a part in all of this. So if you would, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life. And give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that brings honor, glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance, believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Father, if there's someone here today that does not know you as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, a day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And Lord, if there's a believer that's here that's struggling, that's having difficulties with their life or their faith, or maybe there's just tired. Father, I pray that today would be a day where they recognize uh, they don't need to be perfect. They don't need to have everything put together, but they can rely on your goodness and your grace. Lord, I, uh, I'm so thankful for that, for the peace that we have and knowing that our merit is not based on our good works, but is based upon yours. So, Father, today as we are here, may we be reminded of your love and your goodness that's found in Jesus Christ alone. And all of God's people said, amen. Today is my, my mother's birthday. If, if my mom is listening today, I just want to say happy birthday, mom. I love you. Uh, I, I, I've come to the realizations that we're getting older. You know, I, I look at pictures of my mom from years ago or even from our family from years ago. And it's like, man, we don't look like that anymore. You know, we kind of... This microphone is getting older. You know what I mean? And so... And it's getting old. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where I, I've come, there, there are certain things as you go older, you know, you can't do anymore. And I've kind of come to that realization. I'm in my last six months or five months of being in my 30s. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine told me this week that when you turn 40, you, you stop trying to act like you're 20. You know what I mean? You just don't care anymore. I kind of look forward to, you know, that. I have an excuse for not being good at things, you know what I mean? Like I can just 
hey, I'm old. I, I, that could be my excuse, you know. And, uh, you know, like I, I'm not good at basketball, you know, but I'm, I'm somewhat tall. I'm from Indiana. And, you know, and people think that I should be good at basketball. I have an uncle that played college basketball. So, so like it's, it's in my DNA to be like somewhere, somehow, I should be good at basketball, you know. Like I'm, I have all the credentials. gives me the ball and now everybody's just screaming shoot it shoot it this has nothing to do with Noah by the way nothing to do with Noah <laughs> but when you get like when I'm on never mind this is not but I shot it again and I made it you do it once it's luck twice it's skill okay like you like this I peaked right there I never never again I mean I couldn't make a layup in sixth grade you know what I mean like and so my peak was at fifth Great. I'm excited about getting older. You know, when I go out there and play on Tuesday nights, I can just now say, I'm old. That's my excuse. You know, I mean, I don't, I'm not good because I, I'm old. That's my excuse, you know. Seth says that I, I'm good for a wrestler. That's basically saying, like, if you were anybody else, you'd be terrible, you know, and that's just, but I'm excited about it. I have a couple of friends of mine, though, who, who won't play basketball anymore. They're my age, you know, and they said, hey, I tore my Achilles playing ball, and I just, I'm too, like, I'm too old. I just don't do it anymore. You know, there are certain things that when you get older, you just, you have an excuse, or you just don't do it anymore. Ever do something and say to yourself, I'm never going to do that again? You know, sometimes I eat ice cream, I, my belly hurts. I'm like, I'm never going to do that again. And then the next night, I'm sitting there at the freezer with a spoon, and I'm, you know, the, <laughs> you ever do something to yourself, and you say, ah, why did I do that? I'm never doing that again there are certain things like because it's negative right like we we won't ever do that again and then there are other things that like we we say hey i'm never going to do this again not because it's a bad thing but rather because it's just like that season of life is over like like there are some of us like we're we're done having children right like we're like i not that our kids are bad well some of them might be but but for the most like we it's a good, like children are a blessing from the Lord, amen? And we, we, we just say, you know what? Like, that season of my life is over. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna work at a nine to five. Like, I'm, I'm retired. Like, that season of my life is over. Or I'm gonna live in this house for the rest of my life. I'm never gonna buy another. Like, our house is great. 
I, why would I want another? This is perfect. This is what, exactly what I need. I'm, I'm content. I'm at peace with where I'm at. Sometimes we say that we're never going to do something because it's a bad thing. And other times because, you know what? Like that season of our life is over. We've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. We've had enough kids. We've had enough jobs. We, we have the house that we need. Meets our need. I mean, we just, that's it. In our passage of Scripture for today, God says that he's never going to do something ever again. In this case, it's not because of a negative thing. Like God doesn't regret what he did. It's not because, like, ah, why did I do that? Or God says something. I'm never going to do this again. And he says it not as a negative. Verse 1, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God blessed Noah and his sons and God tells them to be fruitful and to multiply. It was their responsibility, friends, to fill the earth with people. And friends, children are a blessing from the Lord and it was their responsibility to have children. Some news for you here today. This call from God to, fulfill, to fill the earth is just as relevant today as it was then. It's our responsibility to have children, to be fruitful, and to multiply. If we would stop having children, we would rob ourselves of God's blessing. You know? Notice that this wasn't just for Noah, this was for Noah's sons. They would have a big part of this story moving forward. Prior to chapter 8, you know, or chapter 9 really, Noah's sons really were kind of like a, an addition to the story. But from this point forward, they're a critical character to this story. They have a huge part moving forward. This isn't the only change moving forward in Noah's story. Listen to what God is doing with the animals in verse 2. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast, I will require it from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you... Be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. In 1975, grizzly bears became an endangered species because uh, there was less than 1,000 grizzlies. The good news is the numbers are going up. Today, there are 900 bears just in Yellowstone alone. But with their numbers increasing, they are kinda, the bears are having to expand their territory. And as a result, human interactions with grizzlies are on the what? The rise. Some positive, 
some negative. Some of you are weird and like to go take pictures of them. You know, that's, that's fine. You want to do that, that's up to you. But, you know, some people, they do it just because they want followers on Instagram. And a lot of times when that happens, it's a, it's a negative interaction. They, they do things maybe they shouldn't be. They're getting a little bit too close. I, I, I don't know. If you saw a grizzly, you should probably be afraid of it, right? Like, I mean, grizzlies are an apex predator. They, they run faster than you. They're, they're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. I mean, their claws, their paws are bigger than your head. You know what I mean? Like they just, the power they have. And if you saw one up close, I mean, if you have a brain that's mechanically working as it should, you would be fearful. Like you would be afraid. And yet, at the same time, it's, it's rare that a bear would attack a human being. I mean, it's just like it's a, it's a rarity, you know. And you think about like the, the size of animals and their strength and their ability. And you walk into a woods, and most of the time, if you make noise, those animals are just running away. Like when, we were, when I was in Alaska, they told us like, hey, when you walk the trails, make noise, talk, have your keys on your hip. Make no, like if you do that, guess what those bears are going to do? They're going to run away. You know? Unless there's some sort of like just oddity in that animal. Or, be, or unless there's a cub around. Those bears are just going to take off. Unless they feel threatened. They're not going to. Like, they are afraid of you. It's amazing. An apex predator. I mean, you're slower than, than a deer, friends. Like, it's a lot easier for a bear to eat you. Like, their lunch would be a lot easier if they attacked you. But in some, for some reason, in their DNA, John Calvin says, the providence of God is a secret bridle to restrain their violence. That's inside of them to fear you. God has changed man and animal's relationship. Prior to the ark, man and animal were not at odds, but after the ark, they were. Man was a vegetarian and for the most part, but God said, let them eat meat. I like that. I like meat. I think it's a good thing. And this is what God was saying. He was saying that this could be a source of food for you and for your families, Noah. But God was not saying to them, hey, be a savage and just destroy the animals. I mean, why would God... Put them on the ark if that was the case. You know? God wanted them to manage creation. This was not God saying destroy the animals, but to manage them. God was calling man to be a, a steward of all creation. And this hasn't changed. It's our responsibility to manage creation, the earth, and all that is in it. That includes animals, but it also includes forestry and Plants, our habitat, 
It's our responsibility to care for creation, friends. God has given you a piece of land. It's your responsibility to manage and care for that land, to be a good steward of it. Excuse me. That's your job. It's your responsibility. This weekend is deer season in Missouri. Uh, Use deer season. Let me correct myself there. I, I hope that that parents are teaching their children how to not only to hunt, but how to respect the animal after an animal is, has been taken, has, has been harvested. It's our responsibility not just to take the life, but to, even God says, after the life has been taken, it's our responsibility to respect it, to care for it. And even says, hey, notice that God is saying here that we are to care for the animal after we take its life. It's food. Cook it. The animal gave its life, friends, so that you might have food, so that you might be able to feed your animal, feed your family. There's a connection, though, between how we treat an animal and how we treat man. God not only wants us to respect animals, but he also wants us to do the same for human life. God says that anyone who takes the life of another human, he will be judged accordingly. Why? Because man was created in the image of God. Nothing else created in the image. If you remember from Genesis chapter 1, man was created in his image. This verse is the basis for, though, friends, for the death penalty. If you look at this verse, and God says, anyone who takes another human life, he will be judged accordingly. Why? Because we are judged and created, we are created in the image of God. Now think about this for just a second. Verse 4. You should not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning from every beast, I will require it from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. You think about this. I mean, we look at as a as a society, like our responsibility, if somebody is it's taken the life of another human being. It's our responsibility to be there. Like, they can't do that for themselves. They're dead. They're, they've, they've passed. Somebody has murdered them, has taken their life. It is our responsibility as a society to be the avenger, to seek justice on their behalf. This is the basis for the death penalty. It really is. That if somebody has taken, has created premeditated murder. On, on February 14th, I'll give you an example. A 19-year-old man, Nicholas Cruz, went to Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, dressed in tactical gear. Killed 17 students and faculty at that high school and injured 17 more. Premeditated murder. A clear example of a man making a plan, going into a school and taking the life of 17 people. 
70 people that were created in the image of God. Friends, if this doesn't upset you, I mean, something mechanically wrong is wrong with your brain. That should, that should anger you, sadden you, that there is someone that has that kind of evilness inside of them. What upsets me is that the court just a few weeks ago decided this man would not be held responsible in the same way that God's word says that he should be held responsible. God says, hey, when somebody commits premeditated murder, it's our responsibility to be their avenger, to, be, to seek justice on their behalf. They're created in the image of God. And it's not only an attack on mankind, it's an attack on the character of God. It's an attack on his creation. It's an attack on his glory. It's an attack on God, friends. And it's an attack on us. God is teaching us here, this is our responsibility to handle such offenses. I don't agree with that ruling. I really don't. I don't think we should, as, a, as, a, as, a, as children of God, I don't think that we should. At the same time, it's not our responsibility to correct it. It's, I respect it. I move on from it. At the same time, like, hey, I have a responsibility to vote, to make myself available in those type of situations. But at the same time, friends, it should anger us when somebody does such a thing. Verse 8. God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I will establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you. The birds, the livestock, every beast on the earth with you, as many come out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off from the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood that destroys the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between man and me. That every living creature that is with you, for all future generations I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And when I bring the clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Last week, we saw the beginning of this covenant being established. Here, we see it being established with just a little bit more detail attached to it. This is the Noah covenant that God is establishing. It is God promising to never flood the earth again. Here are some important elements. I'm going to give you three, okay? Important elements of the Noah covenant. First, it's an unconditional covenant. No matter what happens, no matter what, how evil or to terrible man is, friends. No matter how far they get from God's plan. Unfaithful, unrighteous, unruly, doesn't matter how terrible the earth becomes. 
God is saying through this covenant, I would never flood the earth again. God would not turn his back on this promise, friends. No matter the situation, no matter the condition, God would not turn his back. It's an unconditional covenant. The promise. We can take great assurance that when God says something, you can trust him. You can take it to the bank. This covenant was also established for Noah and his family. It's a covenant that God is making with all of mankind. It includes you. I'm establishing it with you and your offsprings, friends. We all come from this family. And God has promised you, all living creatures for all generations, that he will never again flood the earth. That all of the creation will not be cut off. The earth will never again be destroyed through the flood waters. Now let's think about that. God is making a promise with you that he will never again cut off all of humanity through flood waters. Does that mean that God will not destroy the earth? Is that what God is saying? Is it just for the flood? I, I think it's just God saying, I'm never going to flood the earth again. Look at Revelations 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Does that sound like this old earth is still going to be around? It doesn't to me. I, I don't believe that this earth will be here for all of eternity. When we read the scriptures, not just in Revelation, but even like in 1 Peter, you see that the earth is going to be destroyed. That this is temporary. It's not for all of eternity, friends. Just as, as our bodies are going to pass, this old earth of ours is going to pass away as well. It's here for a season. God has given it to us to be good stewards of it, to take care of it. But this is not here for all of eternity, friends. I think about that and I just think, man, there, there are so many beautiful places on this earth. You know, in places that I, I want to go that I haven't been to yet. I see pictures of it. I, I, and then also there are just things that like, like yeah, last night I was out in the woods deer hunting and I saw just the sunset was just so beautiful. I mean, just so, I mean, the sky was orange. There's deer walking through this pasture and it's just like this beautiful setting, you know. I mean, almost like, you know, I, you couldn't paint it. You know, you take a picture of it, it doesn't do it any justice. And you just think, like, for all of eternity, friends, the things that God has for us is so much greater than this world has to offer. What God has for you, for all of eternity, is so far greater than the, what this world has to offer. 
We're here for just a season. This earth is just here for a season. Don't get too comfortable. (laughs) Don't fall too deep in love with it. Our God has something for us that is far greater than what this world has to offer. The third aspect of the Noah covenant is the seal. God has given us a sign of his covenant with man. This is the rainbow. Rainbow is a sign of that God has given man to not destroy the earth through the flood of the waters. It's a sign of God's faithfulness, of his love, of his sovereignty, which should remind us of the character of God. It should remind us that God is sovereign and good, but it's also that he's watching, that he cares, that he's present. He's not left us. He's not forsaken us. The rainbow is a, a seal, a sign from God, a covenant that he has made with each and every one of us here today. It should remind us, friends, when we see it, that God is here. What are some reminders in your life? I have, I have a handful of scars on my body that remind me of the stupid things that I've done in my past. You know? I, I just... I, I have a aches and pains that remind me that I'm getting older. I have a, a wedding ring that reminds me of my, the endlessness of the love that I have for my wife. What, what do you have in your life that serves as a reminder? What about your faith? What is a symbol of your love for God? What reminds you of the commitments that you have for the Lord? Deuteronomy chapter 6, Israel, hero Israel. The Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I've commanded you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit at your heart, when you sit at your house. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down, you should bind them as a sign on your hand. And they should be frontlet between your eyes and they, you shall write them at the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Hmm. Certainly it appears that they had reminders in their life to be faithful. But God told them, remember, you are called to faithfulness. You're called to righteousness. You're called to holy. You're called to follow me. Don't forget that. And if you do, make sure that you don't do it. Put them on as, as signs on your doorpost. Teach them to your children. As you, as you sit down at your house, make sure that you remind your kids 
this is our response. This is who we're called to be. It's our, it's our job. Don't forget. Remember. God gave us a rainbow to, to remind us of his faithfulness. That he's here, that he's present. He's not left us or forsaken us. As believers, friends, we have the, the Holy Spirit that indwells in us. And God has given us the Spirit of God as a, as a reminder. Hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. Hey, you're, you're not supposed to be looking at that. You're not supposed to be, hey, you're supposed to be reading this. You're supposed to be serving. You're supposed to be loving. You're supposed to be caring. You're supposed to be faithful. Remember when you said, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life? Remember that? Are you doing that? This week we, uh, we laid to rest one of our own, Stan Mead. He used to sit right back there. And, uh, you know, I said this at the funeral, and I, and I don't mind saying it again. But Stan was a... a, a a picture of faithfulness. He was an old preacher that just absolutely loved the Lord and was so talented in so many different ways. You heard him preach here from this pulpit. You've heard him, you've seen him teach the Bible. You, you've seen his life of faithfulness. It doesn't matter with the hardships, the difficulties. I mean, the man, when I got here, I was told that he had six months to live. He, had, he lived for a year and a half. He, he suffered. He, he came in here. He was he wasn't able to sit through his service, friends. He could barely hear. And yet, man, he was just so faithful. One of the last things that we talked about was him sending a, a tithe check to the church. <laughs> 86-year-old man dying of cancer has weeks to live, and he's concerned about a, a tithe check. <laughs> You know, not concerned about dying, not concerned about his life. Like the last thing that I'm concerned about as a pastor is whether or not an 86-year-old man can send in his tithe. You know, it's just not on my radar. It's just not. I mean, Stan, we can pay the bills. All right? like, the, the payroll is taken care of. The lights are on. I mean, don't worry. But Stan was more concerned about that than he was his own life, his own death. I mean, that was his concern. He never asked. We tried to, I tried to talk to him about death. See, about fears, concerns, worries. He was so completely at peace with this life ending and the next beginning. It was such a, to me, it's a reminder. Like, I, I look to you and other people, friends, don't make, make no mistake about it. They look to you as a reminder, as an example to be faithful and true. What's your reminder? What reminds you to be faithful, be true? As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, presses upon your heart, What keeps you from being faithful? 
What keeps you from being obedient? What would it take for you to say yes? As the Lord speaks to you, as he tugs on your heart, as he beckons you to faithfulness, Father, we give you thanks for the day, and we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. Lord, I thank you for Noah and the story that we have of his faithfulness, that he walked alongside of you, that you rewarded his faithfulness, that you did not leave him, that you did not forsake him, that you loved him. What an example it is for us today in a world that's surrounded by evil, by selfishness, by greed and conceit, to have a man, to have a family that was faithful to you. Well, I pray that now as we gather here and we sing a song, that these lyrics, these words, aren't just words. They're not just lyrics. But they become, for us, a response. Father, I pray that you would work and move in this sanctuary in such a way that the people of God would hear you, would see you, would feel you, move. And that they would be faithful. They would respond. And that they would be an example for others to do the same. Father God, we love you so much. We pray there's someone here today that's never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today would be that day. They would put their hope and their trust in Jesus. That they would admit that they're a sinner and believe that Jesus is God's Son and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Father, I pray for each of us here now that we respond in the manner which would bring you the most honor, the most glory. In Jesus' name.